BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. You know, often in the past when the subject has been a debate, I've had conversations with Mark Halpern about, well, where is the bar? Like Everybody wants to set the bar and then step over it. I think the bar is awfully low for Hunter Biden. Because so many times we have seen the crack pipe type images that that's what you think of him. That's the public persona of him. Unless you saw that one, I think it was an ABC uh, interview when he released the book. Your impression of Hunter Biden has probably largely been directed by the New York Post and Fox News. Over the weekend, I told you I listened to his Moby interview, a podcast, part one that was released. And I came away saying when he's clean and sober, and he has been for a period of years, according to him, and I hope that's the case, uh, he's very well-spoken and he's very passionate. And it will be interesting to see because Hunter Biden just arrived on Capitol Hill. Uh, I'm going to play just a minute in anticipation of Mark Halpern being here. Uh, I want to see what Hunter Biden arrived today. He's he's there because he's been subpoenaed to provide deposition testimony. But he, he says he'll only testify if it's in public. I don't know how that'll play itself out. But let's all listen. I'm here today to make sure that the House committee's illegitimate investigations of my family do not proceed on distortions, manipulated evidence and lies. And I'm here today to acknowledge that I've made mistakes in my life and wasted opportunities and privileges I was afforded. For that, I'm responsible. For that, I'm accountable. And for that, I'm making amends. But I'm also here today to correct how the MAGA right has portrayed me for their political purposes. I am first and foremost a son a father, a brother, and a husband from a loving and supportive family. I'm proud to have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. I'm proud of my legal career and business career. I'm proud of my time serving on a dozen different boards of directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to forge global business relationships. That was Hunter Biden moments ago. This is Mark Halpern of Wide World of News fame. What did you make of that, Mark? I understand that you were able to watch all eight minutes of it. I was not. 
Well, it's part of the uh, media strategy uh, and, and to some extent legal strategy of Hunter Biden and his advisors uh, and part of the cat and mouse game he's now in with the committee who would like him to testify behind closed doors. A part of that is uh, uh, to gain advantage. Part of it is it is kind of a best practice to allow investigators to to in a, in a different kind of setting than right before the cameras where the witness can't filibuster and you don't have time limited questioning. So Hunter Biden before today made it clear that he was he would testify in public, which gives him some advantages, but not in private. And what this was, I believe, was a way to look like he's not hiding. I think that's if I had to guess without having talked to his team about what they did. And this, of course, was a surprise. The committee was set up to hear from him. He's been subpoenaed. He was supposed to show up you know, at 930 this morning. And instead of showing up to give a behind the scenes uh, closed door testimony that would be transcribed, he gave a mini, mini press statement, eight minutes, didn't take questions, in which he said, as you just played, I've made mistakes. I'm accountable. My father's innocent. This is all a witch hunt. And I'm not going to subject myself to this private uh, transcribed interview. If they want to hear from me, they can hear from me in public. And so in he didn't change his posture. That was his posture before this statement. What he did was, again, show his human side, as you alluded to, show uh, uh, the public, because they know full well that these clips will be played everywhere in the media. So they hope that these clips, a well-spoken, you know, passionate, concerned man, uh, 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 replace the, 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 all the still photos from his laptop of him on, on crack. And, and that they will, that people will hear his message, which is, I've got nothing to hide. I'm ready to speak, just not on the MAGA terms. And so it didn't change anything from a substantive point of view, but I think they're hoping it changes it from a PR point of view. And the ball is still now in the court of, of the Republicans, where they're going to hold him in contempt for not appearing in response to a subpoena. I'm watching played on a loop him getting out of an SUV, I think with Abby Lowell <clears throat> in a suit, you know, handsome guy, clean cut, yeah. putting sentences yep. together. What, what, of, what of my point that there's a large part of this country that does not know he's capable of putting sentences together? Oh, 100 percent. You know, he did he did that podcast with Moby that you referenced. He, he he's done a couple television interviews, like when he was promoting his book. But you know, he's you know he's a he's a you know a, a graduate of the Yale Law School, one of the premier academic institutions in this country. He's the son of a president, and he has the uh, the misfortune, as again as you're suggesting, to be defined for. The majority of people, I would say, maybe the vast majority of people, I would say, who who know know who he is and has thoughts about him by the contents of his laptop, where he's engaged in in a lot of, you know, lewd behavior, illegal behavior. Uh, and so, you know, Abby Lowell, who's his lawyer and, and is not just a very able lawyer, but a very savvy about media strategy, I'm sure believes that that part of why Hunter has, has not fared particularly well in the PR wars is he's a two-dimensional figure. He's a, a figure defined by the, by the horrendous photos on his laptop and by the allegations against him. And so this was an effort, as you, again, correctly emphasized, to show a, a nice-looking guy, articulate guy, family-first guy, uh, contrite guy, 
uh, they want the, all those images to to push out the others, and and the only way you do that in this age is with video and audio <laughs> as opposed to a written statement. Mark, you'll love this. So the Chiron on Fox, Hunter has not shown up for deposition. <laughs> the Chiron on CNN, Hunter, I am here and ready to testify in an open hearing. It's like already, go. already there's the there litmus you test. You know, every, come you on, yeah. Jesus. I mean, look, 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 on the one hand, as I said, he's, he's under subpoena. The House Republicans have the majority and, and they, you know, they, they have the ability and the right to do that. And as I said before, a, a transcribed hearing under different interrogatory rules preceding a televised hearing is different and is standard operating procedure. So from that, those points of view, the Republicans are right and Fox is right with their Chiron that he's a no-show at a hearing to which he was, you know, issued a, a lawful subpoena. On Hunter's side, Republicans are, you know, I think, I think brazenly and, and ridiculously open that they're trying to use this impeachment process to politically damage the president. And we know from the past practice, again, both parties, not just the Republicans, when you sit for one of these transcribed hearings, often what happens is the, the side that wants to do damage to you leaks out portions of it in a, in a way that is spun uh, to um, to uh, inflict maximum political damage in the short term before the full transcript is available and before the public hearing. I will say that there are a lot of unanswered questions that Hunter's never been asked that do relate to the president and this question of whether he used his influence to help his son in some way, whether he, he, he made money that way. These are unanswered questions. Uh, the, the Democrats would say they've been answered. There's no there there. The Republicans would say Joe and Hunter should be in prison. But but the reality is there are legitimate questions that have never been answered, never been asked to answer. And um, and he doesn't want to answer them. So that's part of part of his strategy here is he's hoping to avoid ever answering those questions from from skilled investigators. One one final thought on Hunter from the uh, the podcast. Yeah. He said they are literally trying to kill me because they think that that would be the way to get to my father. And I'm not going to let it, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to let it happen because I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sober, I'm clean, but that's the objective. They want to get to Joe, my father, yeah. through me. Yeah. Well, I, look, one thing we haven't mentioned, uh, I don't think, and if we did, it was only in passing, is this guy's also facing two criminal indictments. Yeah. Yep. And, and so, and so I, I don't think they're trying to literally kill either Biden. But what I do think is true, and I've written this in Wide World of News several times from, from having observed and dealt with the Biden family for many years, this, this is extremely painful for Joe Biden. And obviously, there aren't too many parents who wouldn't feel extreme pain to watch their son be criminally indicted and potentially face prison, federal prison time and, and, and be caught into this, into this um, uh, congressional investigation. But all this is only happening, as Hunter and Joe Biden have basically said, because Joe Biden chose to run for president. I don't judge other people, but if my son had a drug addiction and really shady business practices, I don't think I'd run for president. They made a different choice and they're dealing with the consequences of that choice right now. And, 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 and when people ask me, well, isn't Joe Biden not going to run, even though he's already said he's running, even though he's on the ballot places, isn't he going to drop out? Short of incapacitation or death, I think the only other thing that could cause him to have second thoughts about conti continuing this campaign is if Hunter faces a conviction. And that's a real prospect 
here. You know, we don't know when those trials are going to be. We don't know how strong the, the prosecution cases. But um, but there's no doubt that when Hunter says what he said to Moby, there's no doubt that whatever the Republican intent is, and I don't think it's, it's what exactly what he says it is, there's no doubt that this process is weighing extremely heavily on a, on a man, the president, who is an emotional guy, who is extremely attached to, to Hunter, having lost his other um, son, Bo. And, uh, and, and Hunter is central to this family of a sister, a lot of grandkids, and a, and a, um, a center of gravity, which used to revolve a lot around a bow, and now to some extent revolves around Hunter. By the way, I'm playing a drinking game with TC today in studio, and we're seeing how many times I can get you to say Moby. Like, one of us has to drink if you say his name one more time. So let's just get to it. Well, there's my, there's my favorite Melville novel, Moby Dick. Is that good? <laughs> I don't think that's you the same. It. It's, it's not the same Moby. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Smirconish program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. I want to ask you about something else, and, and it was the focus yeah. of the wide world of news today. I read aloud in the first hour of the program today headlines from the Zelensky visit to Washington and meeting with the president, except I read the mm-hmm. headlines from a year ago. A much, yeah. much different era. A lot has changed in a year. Where do you see the funding issue going? I think it's very hard to see how the White House gets the things they want passed, and and and, and how they uh, and how and when they might try to salvage some of it. You know, right now it, it's hard to see. It's hard for me to see there being no money for Israel, but the White House doesn't want to pull the Israel money out because they still want to use the Israel money as a sweetener to try to get the Ukraine money. And it's very hard for me to see Republicans standing down enough on their demands regarding immigration to produce something Joe Biden could sign on to. And it's hard for me to see Republicans giving up on their absolute determination, not the MAGA wing of the party, the entire party, including Mitt Romney, 
to say we're not going to pass Ukraine money without serious policy changes on immigration. My Republican sources, almost to a person, say, well, in January, Biden's just going to cave on immigration and give Republicans a lot of what they want and get this package done. I, I think Republicans are who, I, who say that to me think they're insufficiently sensitive to how much damage that would do to Joe Biden with the liberal wing of his own party at a time when a lot of that wing is already in revolt over the question of Israel. So I had thought up until a few weeks ago that this package was both too important and too big to fail. But Republicans have stood firm on immigration and the president has not gotten directly involved in this process, which I thought for a while, based on my sources, he needed to do. He hasn't. And so I think this now becomes a January issue, almost certainly, unless there's some last minute miracle here in the next few days. And in January, we have the Iowa caucuses, the New Hampshire primary, the State of the Union, the budget. They could be in February, but, but, you know, in the same time frame, we have the fiscal deadline to keep the government open. We have some Trump legal developments. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a busy month. And I, I right now, I would say my base case is that there is no Ukraine aid. There is no immigration deal when that Israel aid gets passed and maybe some money for Taiwan is a separate deal. I'm looking at Michael Shear's coverage of Biden's remarks relative to Israel Mr. Biden delivered the blunt assessment of America's closest ally in the Middle East during a fundraiser in Washington. I said to TC when I got in early this morning, TC, get me the audio of Biden being critical of the Israeli government. And of course, there is none. And Mark, your spidey sense, that's totally deliberate, right? I mean, Biden knew he was going to make that kind of a statement. That was not probably Mm -hmm. something without malice of forethought, but they knew they didn't want to put it in front of a camera. Am I reading it the way you read it? Well, with some politicians, I would say you're definitely right. With this president, I'm not so sure. And and Ah. again, listeners listeners should know these fundraisers, just the sort of evolution of the policy is they're open to a a newspaper reporter, what I would call a newspaper or a print reporter, who can write down what the president says. They put out the transcript, but as you point out, they don't have audio or video of these remarks. Um, Joe Biden says stuff all the time at at fundraisers that he doesn't say in other formats and i think that's primarily because my guess is just from knowing him is is a bit that he he, he does what a lot of politicians do which is they re- they know the donors are vital to their livelihood and they know the donors are super sophisticated and consume a lot of media and so joe biden is a classic example of a donor a, 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 a politician who caters to the donors by giving them little little stuff that they, they won't get elsewhere. That's my read of this comment because it's of a pattern with many others. But you're right. It does have the effect of being sending a signal to Bibi and the Israeli government that is is softened somewhat for not being on audio or video. Um, but this is part of a p- pattern from the president and from other administration officials to continue to support Israel's fundamental right to engage in this military conflict but to also be extremely uh, persistent publicly and, and especially privately with the Israelis to say, you must do more to protect innocent life in Gaza. And okay. so, again, you might be right. This is pre-thought pre through, but my guess is it was just a, an expression to, to cater to the donors. And, 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 and again, it's not so different. There's, it's not shocking that he said that. It's consistent. It rhymes, at least with, things that the Secretary of State has said, the National Security Advisor and other officials about this question of 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 how how much leeway the Israelis have in terms of time 
in terms of their military practices and in terms of civilian deaths before there's a ramping up of efforts to restrain them. And I would say that I'm taking away from Mark Halpern that all of these subjects are are interconnected, uh, interconnected insofar as Biden has problems with progressives in his own party who don't think he's doing enough to rein in Israel. So when you look at the border issue, a legitimate issue where we set a record for crossings a week ago Tuesday, and I say, why the hell wouldn't he and wouldn't Democrats just fund the border? It's because that's going to anger the very same progressives that he's already losing on Israel, and he's trying to balance all of these different interests. Fair? Correct. Correct. Absolutely well said and correct. You know, and again, my Republican sources, I'll say, you know, and Mitch McConnell says publicly, we're offering Joe Biden a bipartisan deal to address one of his greatest political vulnerabilities. And, you yes. know, right before, you know, why not take it? The answer is because both the reason we haven't had a major immigration deal or even much of an immigration deal at all is the Republicans uh, want you know, want a whole loaf and the Democrats want a whole loaf. The Democrats say we're going to pass a major immigration bill and not have a path to legal status or citizenship for the dreamers. No way. We're going to pass an immigration bill that restores a lot of the Trump immigration policies. No way. And and the Republicans are are steadfast in saying we're this is not a negotiation. This is not finding the middle on these issues. You're doing it our way or we're not voting for Ukraine aid. There's there's legitimate and illegitimate aspects to both those positions. But 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 the but the reality is, I think the warnings you see almost daily warnings. There's a couple more today from members of Congress on the left, um, from some of the, the you know, the pro immigration groups, daily warnings that the president makes this deal. It will hurt him politically. And I actually think I think saying that it, that so far, if you've just read all the coverage, watched all the coverage, it's understating how explosive the reaction would be. So would Joe Biden eventually, eventually reap the political benefits of making an immigration deal largely on the terms of the Republicans and getting the Ukraine aid and the Israel aid and the Taiwan aid? I think long-term he probably would. But again, I think people underestimate the extreme short-term political pain he would have with even more people on the left, including uh, Americans of color, saying we will not vote for Joe Biden at a time when his political standing with those groups and overall is so perilous. I've um, taken so up. I don't, I, I don't think he can do, I don't think, I don't, I, I understand the merits of the other side, but I don't, literally, I don't think he can do it politically. And that's why we are where we are. I've taken up uh, the lion's share of our time with national, with solid national security concerns. Give me 60 seconds on the significance of Sununu coming out for Nikki Haley. Governor Sununu's endorsement is one of the few that matters. He's very popular in New Hampshire. She needs to find a way to build, uh, you know, nearly to, to try to overtake Donald Trump in that primary. She needs to try to get nearly every New Hampshire Republican and independent who will vote in that primary who are not MAGA. And there's no better voice to get that than Sununu. He's got a political operation. He knows the state well. But I think his biggest value to her is he's extraordinarily getting what, what we call earned media, the press coverage uh, in the national media, in in um, in New Hampshire. He's a very glib guy. He's a very likable guy. The, you know, he, he understands the media game. And this means, you know, one of the challenges of overtaking Trump in the next month for Haley is he just can dominate the news whenever he wants to. So is not, not Trump's equal in that respect. 
but the combination of Haley and Sununu in New Hampshire and nationally is going to get him, and, and Sununu will work this, I believe, will get her her chance to be on television, to get her message out. And Sununu can be kind of the the bad cop to do what he's been doing for months, which is to say Donald Trump's a disaster for the Republican Party and the country. So what, what I wrote this morning in what I rolled the news was, this is a necessary uh, development for her. It's not sufficient to say she'll be the nominee by any means. But this is a necessary development for her to get this endorsement as opposed to Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis getting it and to see how much Sununu can can get the spotlight for her that she can make her case. So I think it's a pretty big deal. And I think I think I, I want to see if I'm right that Sununu, as he's as he's promised to be, is going to be unusually active on her behalf. Busy news cycle. Wish we had more time. Mark, thank you so much. That was a great report, as always. Michael, great to talk to you. I, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Take care. So do I. Mark Halpern, ladies and gentlemen, every Wednesday, second hour of the program. I want to pick up on something that Mark said a moment ago that I'll reset when we come back. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. I, I want to pick up on something that I heard Mark say a moment ago. Again, in the context of Hunter Biden is on Capitol Hill, I'm I'm a little out of touch because I'm hosting this program as to what might be taking place behind closed doors. I know that Jim Jordan also had a media availability. I think don't hold me to this. I think Hunter is not going to testify. He's not going to honor that subpoena. Maybe he'll show up but not testify uh, unless he can do so in public. And there may be a standoff taking place right now. But Mark said, among other things, that. You know, Hunter is is going through this only because Joe Biden is running for president. And there are a number of different ways you can you can look at that. The first thought that popped into my head is, well, that then makes it inherently political, doesn't it? And by the way, I'm of the opinion and I've been saying here that I believe that Hunter Biden, because of his name, was getting a sweetheart deal. And now I believe Hunter Biden, because of his name, is potentially having the book thrown at him. I think he was about to be treated very favorably in Delaware until the judge got a look at that plea, and, and now it's, it's the total opposite. 
where he's facing, you know, multiple years. And by the way, for, for the tax crimes that he faces, people really do do time. I went through the statistics. I think it was like a year and a half average recently. So uh, one reaction is, well, then, therefore, it's a political prosecution. But I don't think that's where Mark was coming from. I think what he was saying is Joe had to know that. Here's what he didn't say. Here's what he didn't say. But I will. Viewed in this light, was it selfish in some respect for Joe knowing of Hunter's issues? And I'm I'm team Hunter in terms of wanting him healthy and productive. I really do believe that addiction drives a lot of this bus. I'm not excusing the bad behavior. I think it's a reason, and I've said it before, that Joe dropped his guard. And I said it on CNN last week. In my mind, the reason why Hunter's on Air Force Two and they're headed to Ukraine is because Joe knows what his son has been through. He's lost another son. He just wants to get him on a straight and narrow. And if that means allowing him to trade on the family business, if if the alternative is Chateau Marmot and a crack pipe and a hooker, then Joe wants him there on Air Force Two. Just my my big picture view of all of this. But I guess you could say, although it might not be fair, that Joe had to know this was going to be a part and parcel of what was coming because of his son's liabilities, and therefore maybe he should have taken a pass. Mark did not say that. I'm taking it to a new dimension. And I'll also say, just in terms of political prosecutions, uh, I've said routinely that if Donald Trump had done all that he had done, the documents, the shenanigans, the election overcome, all of that, but had had retired quietly, had gone and played golf at Bedminster and Mar-a-Lago, and that's it. I don't think he'd be facing these prosecutions. If you agree with me on that, then you're also saying that they are political. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.